Hello. Yeah, I'm Floyd. Yeah, me and i Smith. Welcome to Stewing Geeks. And XV1S. Now. Let's rock. Welcome to XV Planets. Okay, so now we have to think about what pop songs can be redone with Ooh, Dougie Dougie. Ooh, Dougie Dougie. Ooh, Dougie Dougie. Ooh, Dougie Dougie. Right? Dougie, you're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Dougie. Hey, Dougie. Fuck yes. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I see a so cover many. album coming out of this. I seriously <laughs> do. Like, oh. Twin Geeks cover album. Oh, this is going to be bad. Super bad. Like, yeah. In the Michael Jackson bad be way. very... <laughs> you should not have told because me that. Because you're Bob. You're Bob. <laughs> the whole album on the characters. Yes. That's going to be episode. The last episode we do is just running through really <laughs> shitty renditions of all the characters. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's see how fast we can get sued yeah, by using yeah, yeah. those. Uh, we'll just do a little. Oh, absolutely. Hey, look, there is no better publicity than being sued by dead people's management. <laughs> So so long as we pick people who are already dead, uh, it's. Oh, I see a marketing ploy at Tell hand. Tell a story about Ed and Norma. I mean, yeah, we could. Yeah, beautiful album. Okay, look. Also with claps. Um, I, I I draw a real hard line at John Cougar concentration camp. I mean, uh, John Cougar melon camp. Yeah. John concentration camp. All right. All right. Here we here we are. Hello. Fellow weirdos, welcome back to XV Planets, and we are back for our Magic in the Media series, and tonight we are beginning a long, long, headfirst deep dive into the high high strangeness, horror, humor, and absolute absurdity of Twin Peaks. Yay! Absolutely. Uh, My guest host for this entire series, and probably moving forward with this because we have some other things up our sleeves, is going to be Beth Miller. Beth Miller, come on down! (sighs) The crowd goes wild! Thank you for joining me on this total fucking nerd fest. Uh, Wait, geek fest? Well, I guess Twin Geeks has a nice ring to it, and we're going to be, yeah, Twin Geeks? We're rolling with Twin Geeks. I see some really bad photo ops coming up. <laughs> or really great. I'll bust out know. my old glasses from the 80s for the occasion. <laughs> yeah, the ones that like took up your entire face. Yeah, Absolutely. Those. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Uh, there is nobody else that I could do uh, this much of a batshit crazy dive into this fucking series and the cult that developed around it uh, other than you. Um, so uh, before we get started on the meat and potatoes of this series. Beth, can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your obsession uh, with Twin Peaks started out as? Sure. Uh, so I've been a proud geek my entire life. Uh, as a little one, I, I distinctly remember I had this bookshelf above my bed when I was little, and my pride and joy was the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys novel collection I had above me. Um, Out of curiosity, do you ever... Did you have any choose your own adventure books too? Oh my god, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, god, yeah. All of that. So awesome. All of that garbage. Hmm. Um, 
but my choice would be to read those versus going outside and play um shows like and i know you remember this because we're the same age mr wizard oh hell oh my god I may or may not have uh, a couple of gigabytes of Mr. Wizard oh back God. up on. I'll yeah. hook you up. Borrowing. Um, <laughs> but that for me, it's like it opened up this little teeny tiny door to the way the universe works. Uh, and that obsession has sort of continued into my adulthood. Um, yeah. I read four to five books at a time from fiction to, um, to nonfiction, weird, wild stuff, um, all the way to the, to the normal. I got to say it right. Weird and wild <laughs> stuff. You can do it better. <laughs> um, and so it's funny. My dad is the world's most patient man. And at dinner, he would, after dinner, he'd say, okay, girls, what do you want to do? I had a sister. Well, we want to play the how to, how's it made game, dad. So every night he would let us ask him a question. How is it made? The easy one was obviously the plate, right? You take ceramic, you bake it. It's done. Hmm. The one he hated was when we were like, dad, can you tell us how to make a car? And he would sit down for probably, I don't know, an hour, go through all the parts and pieces. And my sister and I would sit there riveted. And then, you know, you ask him the same question 20 times, we would just eventually start laughing. Um, but again, very, very patient man. Um, it's hilarious. If I did that to my dad, he'd just throw the Encyclopedia Britannica at me and then go sit down and watch television. <laughs> my da- so my dad's a chemical engineer. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So he, and, and like, as soon as I understood what that sort of meant, that's when he became my guru. I was like, oh, you know how everything works. So he could actually explain the Mr. Wizard to stuff to me after the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because okay. if I had follow-up questions, which my little ass had follow-up questions, he was the guy I'd go to. I loved all the dry ice episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, will you please buy me some dry, dry ice? And then when it It'll make my Halloween so much better. <laughs> and it'll take your fucking hand off, too, by the way. So... Yeah, I had parents that uh, clearly wanted to protect me. I may or may not have actually purchased a can of liquid nitrogen. I'll get to that later. (laughs) Much more brazen than I was as a young child. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Let's see what else. So, super geek. uh, Red encyclopedias cover, you know, cover to cover. And then I started discovering movies like Flash Gordon, Star Wars, obviously, and I'm talking about the original gangsta Star Wars, like the really schlocky bad ones. I, we're going to have to do an episode on Flash Gordon. Man. Oh, my God. We have to. So good. When he sticks his hand in the thing, you're like, don't do it, don't do it. You've got to Flash. take your hand off. Aww. <laughs> Savior of, of the us. universe. <laughs> It's so bad. The costumes, the pointy shoulder costumes. Oh the god, red? yeah, um, no, no, they were I brilliant. Her name for the life of me, but yeah, that pointy shoulder costume was my life. Um, and then Barbarella. Did you ever watch Barbarella with Jane fucking Fonda? Smoking hot. But as a kid, I didn't know what that was. Yes, I masturbated to that movie yeah. a considerable <laughs> amount of times there in my is. life. We don't have to bring that up right now. <sighs> no one's gonna listen to this anyways <clears throat> mom well, don't judge who, him anybody who is listening to this already knows me well <laughs> enough that they, they just know <laughs> masturbating to barbarella is not a surprise for them no no not at all oh well as a kid i didn't know what the word <laughs> schlocky meant but now I, like, we we watched it uh i don't know it was maybe three or four months ago and i just kept looking at my husband like god this is awful but you know as a six seven eight year old that was Oh man! Oh, um, life changing. Trying to walk on the world. 
cold and it's all wobbly. Oh my God. <laughs> so the weirder, the wilder, um, like what was the, there were a lot of puppety movies too that were super freaky in the 80s when we grew up. Oh God, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Labyrinth yeah, um, any of the Gilliam films that he did during that time, Time Bandits. Um, yes. Um, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. I don't think I saw that one. Oh. God, you the, the list of movies that I have to watch because I keep talking to you is so long. It just keeps growing to it. Growing. Adding that growing. Keep growing. Yeah. Um, and then I found drugs. So after, which are fun? Which super fun? In moderation. The good drugs. The good drugs. Like yeah. the psychedelics. I discovered, yeah. you know, mushrooms, acid, all those sorts of things. Remember, dear lesson, dear listeners, okay. um, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. We're not condoning, especially moderation. Not condoning anything. But I will say that, yes, if you have had a chance to experience psychedelics, you will probably appreciate David Lynch's work considerably more. (laughs) And I think if I hadn't, I don't know that. Anyways. Um, But yeah, so the explorer in me. No, it it does not take psychedelics because I I actually never touched psychedelics until I was in my mid-20s. And um, by that point, I had already developed a... uh, a really, really deep connection to David Lynch's work. It was mm. fascinating to me. Um, so, yeah. No, it it does not take a fear and loathing moment to view <laughs> David Lynch films, kids. But you do understand it better if you do. Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> just a smidge, just a smidge. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I digress. Um, so where I was going with that, though, is I started to write. So Mr. Wizard, the freaky sci-fi movies, starting to open up my mind a little bit, discovered psychedelics, that sort of blew walls down that I had had in my mind in terms mm-hmm. of limitations and helped me to start seeing the connection between all living things, right? Butterfly effects sort of stuff. So yeah. that... Um, then I went to college and then I moved to California and in my time in California, I fell in with a group of people that were just very open-minded and introduced me to tons and tons and tons of books. Um, and so I started researching a little bit more about why are we here? What does all this mean? How are we connected? What's my impact? I'm a tiny little me. What can I, you know, what's my purpose in the world? What's my mission? Those kinds of things. Um, and in California, my best friend, Nikki introduced me to Buddhism and through that introduction, it answered a ton of questions that I had had, right? Reading those books just made me have more questions. Right. Um, and, and Buddhism helped me to answer a lot of those. Um, so I, I tend to dive into things with with both feet, and I get really engrossed in it. You can ask my husband. These last two years was uh, was gardening and permaculture, and was I it, so have, you plunge, not uh, dive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I read right, every yeah. book. I watch every YouTube video. I I want to learn it like with my whole being. Um, and so that's how I felt about Twin Peaks. Right, I saw it the first time. I was nineteen, I think. I was in college, so I didn't see it when it originally came out. So I got to ask you that one particular moment where he gets the bucket of stones and starts talking about Tibetan philosophy on how to solve did that just not when I originally saw it cuz I didn't get introduced <laughs> to Buddhism until I was like 32 so yeah that meant nothing to me but okay. at that point like I knew about Tibetan Buddhism like a, a smidge mm-hmm. uh knew a little bit about that and manifesting and and being able to clear your mind like Agent Cooper was that was all it was was mm-hmm. let the universe answer the question for me our minds are finite he understood that 
He understood that our, our minds are connected to the greater massive computer that's out there, right? Um, so that's that's what, what Coop was doing. But yeah, at that time, I didn't, I wasn't practicing Buddhism, so I didn't really understand it. I just thought so, he was a badass. And he was adorable. such a beacon to pick up on those signals. I know, he's adorable. Um, so yeah, yeah let's, I was... Let's, I, let's, let's just go ahead and lay it all out there. Like, I'm relatively straight, but I would bottom for Coop. Like... <laughs> Like, because I know he would be gentle and and caring. Yeah. <laughs> he would train you the whole way. He'd hold your hand and walk you through it the whole way. I don't see him as a top though. There's and he'd only, bring like... me coffee the next morning. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. come on, it's he's so gentle and <laughs> nurturing. Um, so yeah, and I didn't see it again. I was like 19 when I, I first saw it. So I didn't see the original run me and my ex-husband and my really good friend at the time, Barb, we had the, um, the, the VHS box set of Ooh. Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we would, we were in college and then we were also, we had night jobs, you know, working at restaurants. So we'd come back no matter what the hour was and we'd watch at least an episode or two together mm. and start to sort of piece apart and figure out what's going on. And you know, this is at the point where we're, yeah. What the fuck um, is going on? <laughs> and you can't answer that question. And I think my mind at that point wasn't fully aware of everything yet. I hadn't done all the reading. I hadn't done all the research. So at a surface level, I understood Twin Peaks. Mm. But something touched me. Like something grabbed me so much that it has continued for 26, 27 years. Um, and that happened, that seed was planted when I was 19, well before I had learned about esoterics or mysticism or any of that stuff. This was, I credit Lynch with sort of pushing me further into that journey of, of researching those things. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with you. The exact same thing is... Um you know, at this point, I've I've put in I've put in like well over a decade into studies into esotericism, um, occult practices, things like that. None of those things really started to connect until like years down the line. But the first time that I saw it, which conveniently I think it was also nineteen myself, uh, I I first saw Twin Peaks Firewalk with me yeah. uh, because at that point I was already a fan of David Lynch. I had uh, watched. Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, Elephant Man, Eraserhead, and Dune. And I'm like, what is this Twin Peaks thing? Never heard of it. And so I put that on, and I'm like, I have no frame of reference for this. I have no idea what in the hell is going on. And so I have to go all the way back and start the whole series over again. And now I do this once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. It becomes a thing. Uh, yeah. And, and I get left alone. It's really nice. My husband, um, no matter how much convincing I have done, has never actually sat and watched more than about five minutes with me. Sort of pats me on the head and he's like, you're in your zone. I'll just leave it, you alone. It takes a, it's okay. It takes a special level of, of uh, disconnection from reality to really appreciate uh, Twin Peaks. I think so. I think yeah. so. So, I, but yeah, for me, it's like every year or two, I'll watch. And you can't just, I'm just going to watch an episode that turns into, oh shit, where'd the last month go? Oh, yeah. No, even, yeah, even if you do that, if you have it in your head, like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the last two episodes of the second season. You're going to watch those two episodes, and by the end of it, you're just going to say, Fuck! Now I gotta watch a whole goddamn thing again. Mm-hmm. The black hole, <laughs> and there goes your entire social life for <laughs> many weeks. Ah, until <clears throat> we meet people like ourselves, like you, Beth, because this can be a part of our social life, and it can be healthy, and it can be happy instead of us, 
you know, sitting in dark rooms, staring over and over and over again, trying to figure out who is the dreamer, mm. which we'll get to that a few episodes later. Now, that being said, um, thank you again so much for doing this deep dive uh, into this with me. And what we're going to be doing on this first episode is kind of breaking down some of the things that we're going to be tackling in a broader strokes um, as this progresses. So what are we really doing here? Uh, I can tell you what we're not going to do, and that is retell the entire story over and over again. Because if you're listening to this, that means you've probably already been obsessed with Twin Peaks yourself. Welcome home. Good place to be. If you haven't seen this, what the fuck are you doing listening to us? Shut your goddamn phones off and go watch the series. Then come back and join us for the journey. Was that too intense? <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm sorry. Like, if you have not seen it, you don't belong here. Get the fuck out of here. Go watch it. Come back, please. But um, over the course, we're going to be taking uh, a lot of time to touch on several plots and plots within plots and plots within plots and plots within dreams and dreams within dreams. But we're not going to be retelling this whole fucking story over and over again. Because, as I said, if you're here, you've probably already seen it. Our goal with this series is to hopefully uncover some more of the mystery and actually draw some conclusions to unanswered questions, to look beyond the entertainment value of it, uh, because as we continue with this series, you're going to find out that there's a lot more going on in that show than just the story and just the television production, which is kind of like the long drive for us. Um, it, you know, if, if I can sum it up in one phrase... I'll see you again in 25 years. <laughs> I am the arm. And I sound like this. <laughs> yes, we're absolutely leaving that in. Now, uh, as far as the super weird, crazy stuff about this, I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We do need to give everybody a solid basis as far as what we're diving into here before we take them on the rip-roaring ride into the unknown. Yes. Uh, so let's start, let's start with the basics. And uh, the basics would be, who exactly are David Lynch and Mark Frost, the people who created this film? Um, David Lynch is a world-renowned writer and director. Uh, he's been around since the late 1970s with his first feature film, Racerhead, and had several short films before that came out. And if you've not seen those, I will probably add some links to the show notes because you should, you should probably check this out. Um, now, Mark Frost usually functions as a writer, editor, and producer for numerous television shows and smaller projects, but he hasn't really had a huge imprint on um, the film industry or the television industry at large. But his work with David Lynch has been highly regarded as some of the best, most original and groundbreaking and also culture-changing uh, television in the last 40 years. Fair. Hmm. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is Twin Peaks the show? How in the fuck do we describe that? <laughs> That's your job. 
I'm just here. Uh, you're just no, no. You were not here. No, no. You may just be here just for this first episode, but you're the one who has done like the diehard research on this stuff. Like I review your notes every night, uh, so this is gonna this is gonna be a lot of fun as it goes on. But um, <laughs> what is Twin Peaks' show? A fucking acid trip? A fourth dimensional hypersigil? A dream? A dream within a dream? Is it proof that we live in the Matrix? All of these are possibilities, but we're gonna we're, we're gonna peel back the layers to that fucking metaphysical onion as this keeps going on. Um, but on the surface level, in a very condensed and basic um, explanation of the show, it is a mystery that is focused around the murder and discovery of the body of. Um, essentially the homecoming queen of a very, very small town. And anybody who has grown up in incredibly small towns, you know that word spreads like wildfire. And if you grew up in small towns, you also know that no matter how pretty that small town is on the outside, there's some seedy things going on underneath it. And that was kind of the theme that Lynch was rolling for, was um, show this picture perfect version of like a Mayberry type America and then kind of peel the layers back and, and show you what's underneath, mm-hmm. which nobody had really done before. Like people wanted to either run with the concept of 100% uh, innocent comedy like Andy Griffith, mm-hmm. or you go into um, intense drama Lynch decided to take the soap opera initiative, (laughs) which drives me nuts. It really does. And he, he crafted this show around the overacting and the over the top delivery of soap opera drama actors and actresses. And then as the show progressed, those, over-the-top facades started to slip, and then mm-hmm. you started to see the things that were underneath them. I thought I thought it was a pretty genius way to approach it and attack it. Like, it. It is. Well, and I think anybody who sees it, and I'm trying to remember back when I was 19, it grabbed me initially, but any person who walks in like halfway through episode two is thinking, what are you watching? Because it, do, it does look like a sappy Days of Our Lives kind of soap opera oh it looks like it it looks awful who in the right mind would be interested in this and then you start to see little like little little drips and drabs of oddities and weirdness and darkness and that's really what pulls people in where i mean you you scroll through any movies now that are on netflix amazon whatever they're all really dark really really dark so i think Mm. everyone now is much more receptive to a show like that but yeah on the surface when you look at the the first i don't know uh, season a little bit of the second oh especially the first season though. it's just yeah. what are we doing here why am i gonna waste my time on this it really is but it's like, an investment it's like he gives you a treat for spending the time right right all right yeah and, and so that's the one thing like the first season in particular it's only seven episodes long right eight um <laughs> depending on how you look at it but Throughout the course of that first season, he lays on that innocent Mayberry vibe, Mm -hmm. like super thick. And then 
only in the course of like the latter half of that first quote unquote season do you start to see disruptions in that and you start to see some of the weird things that mm-hmm. could be lying in the background and then you you get your first black lodge moment yeah. of course um so i don't know it's like he was definitely approaching it from a very different angle and i think in a way that nobody was really ready for mm-hmm. at the time that it came out that's what he said because it's brown you, you you can't classify it and i think that may have been the struggle too um, you know, TV Guide was the rage back then, right? That's what you looked at. There was no IMDb. There was none of this, right? So you had TV Guide. from the Lost Boys. TV Guide. You have a TV Guide? So you have a TV. No. I read the TV Guide. You don't need the TV. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was our Bible. It was like, oh, we had no social media. We had nothing. So you have. Oh, my God. I, so let's true. find that research. Oh, God. It was the entertainment pages on Facebook and print form. It, Fuck. I'm looking it up now. I'm going to try and find it, guys. I'm a oh, research don't. nerd. <laughs> going to try and find the TV guide. Um, For Twin Peaks. Yes. Twin Peaks. Holy F- shit. F1. Yes. No, I, I, yep. Going if, down a rabbit hole. Hold, please. It's the magic of editing any blank space I can cut out. So take okay. as much time as you All need. Right. Please find how find the worst fucking description of it. Well, not only the description, but you know who was it? Roger Ebert. Um, yeah, I'll 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 find it. I'll find it. No episode got. Yeah, it's not here. No, we have to go back to the microfiche and find the uh, the OG TV guides. Anyways, that's all the American people had to go on was what the TV guide told us this thing was. So yeah, I'd be very curious to hear how they classified it. Nighttime soap opera is probably murder mystery, maybe. Murder oh, Mystery, yeah, yeah. Nighttime Soap Opera. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah Dynasty and Dallas. Like, I'm sure that's what it is. No, those are accurate uh, um, cross-references because they use so much of the same fucking Suelen. Like, we didn't have a Suelen. The family <laughs> dynasty batshit crazy insanity that the went horns. on. The horns could have been um, oh, oh, the oh, Ewings, they, yeah, no, right? No, no. It's, it's Dallas's cousins. <laughs> Or dynasties, uh, you know, great uncle mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, absolutely. But that's an, he was probably making fun of the schlockiness of those shows in a way and showing the the darker, not cheesy side. Because in, in Dallas, when somebody gets shot, like when JR got shot. See, um, I, don't, I don't think he was necessarily making fun of them. I think he was using the storytelling device to create a shell so that whenever he did get to the darker and stranger things, it hit that much more and kind of broke the illusion. It, he was aiming for making you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and making you think and knowing that after he put this out, you're going to fucking lose sleep over it Yeah, and try and figure it out. (laughs) It was like the Tetris trying to figure out. Like, Part of me, deep down inside, really, really wants to interview David Lynch, but I know no matter how long that interview went, I'm going to walk away from it more angry than I have ever been in my life, because he's not going to give me shit. He's not. He's not. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, just like any good artist, you don't. Picasso didn't stand there and tell you what you're supposed to see in his paintings, and that's the beauty of him, is that I'm going to leave it here. You all have your own interpretations. And that's why I think so many people have been fascinated with the show, because there is not a clear answer on much of it. 
Yes. Yeah. No. And that, that was, uh, honestly, that was kind of part of, uh, David Lynch's original drive. I don't know if he ever read any of the, uh, the interviews that he did like later on in the years, but his goal originally, he never wanted Laura's murder to get solved mm. ever. Like he wanted it to be the perpetual mystery that fed the show on, mm. but he got pressure from executives to switch things up and that's where it got weird is like they started pressuring him to change things and to to take a different path and that's that's where he got weirder and weirder and weirder I'll show you right <laughs> in yeah. a corner mm-hmm. yeah, right. I right. like these apples <laughs> and you can just see it you can see Lynch sitting there Smoking a cigarette, mm-hmm. staring off into the ceiling and thinking, How can I fuck with them today? All right, you fuckers. I'll give you what you want. It's just going to take half a century to get it there. Yeah, exactly. Motherfucker. But we waited. We waited. We waited. We and waited. it was worth it. it was. No matter what anybody else says, those 18 hours were fucking worth it, even though it still left us fucking unsatisfied mm-hmm. in many ways in many ways in many ways but it'll keep us coming back for whatever better be next i'm not going to say hopefully i i'm saying better be like, there's going to be anger if we don't get more after this there has to be this can't be the end it just can't yeah i know like we you and i both know that lynch has a project in the works yeah I am keeping my fingers crossed mm-hmm. that it is directly tied to what I think it is. You better be right. But if I'm wrong, then I'm going to have to let it go because he's not going to live long enough. No. To, like, no. the guy's getting up there, man. I know, I know. More. <laughs> Motherfucker smokes two packs a day and he still looks like... <laughs> he still looks 20 years younger than he should be. Mm, that's true. Thankfully. Right. But yeah, so that's the uh, the the basic overview of the show is homecoming queen gets murdered and um, the town is trying to pick up the pieces of the tragedy and um, and trying to figure out how to move forward. And uh, because it is such a small town, this one particular event really hits home for a lot of people because everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Laura Palmer, yeah. homecoming queen. Um, she was well-known, well-liked in town, but as we come to find out, has a very, very seedy underside to her. Um, and that's the main crux of the whole show. Now, where is Twin Peaks? Am I answering that? In our minds. I know. Because <laughs> no, it's not in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> Technically speaking, though, in the uh, the realm of fiction, yes, it uh, exists in the Pacific Northwest, um, Washington State, relatively close to the coast, but not too close. And um, no, it does not exist there. It exists in your mind. There's somebody's mind. Somebody's really warped mind slash dream. Audrey. Oh. You have to convince me on that one. You're gonna have to convince me on that one. I have my questions. I really do. Magic of editing. You're fine. Like, no worries. I can't figure out how to turn it off. I can't figure out how to turn the ringing off on this fucking thing either. So yeah, when I get a text message, it goes through to there. Sorry. All right. Well, 
Whatever minute that is, we're editing that shit out. <clears throat> That's the magic of Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. Muted. Okay, here we go. All right, so where's Twin Peaks? Uh, where... It's in my prostate. <laughs> it's a magical place. And if I massage it, Bob comes out and... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's in my prostate. Oh, that is the last thing I thought I'd hear out of your mouth. I'm no, 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 no. Twin more Peaks is in Washington State. The Black Lodge is in my prostate. That's <laughs> Wow. I'm taking that beer away. <laughs> and if you rub it just right, a midget will come out and touch you out. <laughs> Maybe that's what the nose boy's for, for prostate tickling. <laughs> that's his purpose. Holy shit, I'd let him eat my ass. Like... <laughs> Right. <laughs> He'd have to do a lot of contortion to get around the nose. <sighs> His nose would also have to be ambidextrous. Like, it's got to get the curve. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, is your nose bendable? <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is going to get worse, because let's be honest, oh. as Twin Peaks progresses, it becomes even more hypersexual, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with some of the ridiculousness on that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I. So this is going to be taken off the record, but you want to hear the best and worst promo shot for this series you'll ever I hear. I thought you had to fart. Okay, <laughs> what? You had that look like her. No. Um. You remember when Audrey was being kept by One-Eyed Jacks? Yeah. And she was in the whole. Um, card deck themed dress yeah, with the little mask. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to have that mask on? <laughs> wow. Put me in a fish nest and a ballet outfit. It'd be the greatest promo for this ever. First one is the mask on. Next one, you just see me going. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's done. I have a sewing machine. One floor down. Sewing oh, machine. Shit. It's done. All right. What's your waist size? <laughs> Find them fish nets. <laughs> 34. Okay. Um, all right, so... All right, getting back to the story at hand. So, like, that's uh, that's the basic um, overview of the story is is the murder of Laura Palmer, the pursuit to find who is responsible for that, and what that journey itself uncovers throughout the course of the show in the town of Twin Peaks, which uncovers a lot of terrible, seedy, weird, and horrible things. There's a body wrapped in plastic. <laughs> God, if we were Spotify exclusive, I would totally throw on Marilyn Manson's wrapped in plastic right now. <laughs> um, now, uh, we've established the the what and the where, but what about the who? And that would be the players, like the, the main characters of the show. And in my opinion, you can divide them into three categories. You have the good, the bad, and the Dougie. Or the ugly, whatever. Fuck you. Just just roll with it. Um, so the the good, in my opinion, is 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 pretty easy to identify. I mean, you have um, sheriff's department people, you have the FBI, and then you have the 
very specific group of townsfolk, Ed, Norma, mm-hmm. um, all of those that are truly pure hearts of gold and mean nothing more than the best for everybody around them. Then you got the bad, which is, you know what, the more and more I think about this, I, I think labeling anyone as bad in Twin Peaks is kind of subject. You know, it. I think there's some that are pretty clearly bad through Hank. and through, though. Hank, bad through and through. Hank. You get like eight seconds of him trying to be a human with a heart. Uh, it was all a show, though. Uh, Audrey Horn's son? Pure evil. Spawn. Oh, okay. All right. Spawn. So, all right. No, no. But, but I, I want to be clear here. We, we should leave the return off. Ah, okay. All right. We'll yeah. Leave the return off. Uh, because that is a whole different fucking animal that we're going to have to tackle. Okay. But in the original run, so you, you've got, you've got your your sheriff's department. So Hawk, um, Harry, Andy, Lucy. Um, and that's pretty much the breakdown of the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have the FBI. Gordon. Oh, Gordy. Gordon. Of course, Dale Cooper, who is our Boy Scout and everybody's favorite heartthrob. But you also have one of my personal favorites. Albert. Albert. <laughs> everybody's favorite asshole. Everybody's favorite <laughs> asshole. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. <clears throat> Rest in peace. Because oh, I know it was so heartbreaking to hear about him passing, but I'm so glad he got to wrap up that character's mm-hmm. arc at least mm-hmm. a little bit. But um, yeah, Miguel Ferreira uh, played Albert, and I have to admit, Albert is one of my favorite characters in Twin Peaks because he is incredibly complex, no matter how two dimensional they portray him in in each and every scene, mm. and I love it because the whole first season. And most of the second season, the alter the um, altercations that you get with Albert, he's just a total fucking asshat. He just tries to stir up shit, tries to start fights, and eventually pushes Sheriff Harry Truman to a point where he grabs him by the collar and essentially threatens to beat the ever-loving shit out of him. And Alfred's diatribe was just so heartfelt. Like, <laughs> I love you, Sheriff Truman. <laughs> what? I believe that there are forces of evil out there that cannot possibly be explained or be cataloged. And I think that the only way to really approach those and to beat those forces down is with love. Pure love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. And every time I see that scene, it's just oh. like... Oh. The warm and fuzz, and again, that was a moment you earned it. You are you had to wait for that Albert breakthrough moment where he shows his humanity, and he did it in such a meaningful way. The guy he punched, right? Like they got in a, like a literal fist right yeah. with each other. I'm really, um, really disappointed that they didn't pat each other's crotches on the way out. They could have. You just didn't see it on camera. Maybe. Oh. Or you could reenact it. What if? What if there was some man love between the two of them? Is that what you're saying you wish happened? Come on, that's going a little too far. I don't know about that. Harry and Albert? He would never go from Josie to Albert. Harry wouldn't. 
Who would buy? Look how hot Harry. Like, okay, we can talk about how I'm going to be a girl for a minute. Harry was hotter than Coop. He just was. Take the mullet away. Take the mullet away. All I need is bad haircuts of the time. But a beautiful man. Beautiful man. (laughs) Beautiful man. I had a little crush on him versus Coop. I was really disappointed when he didn't come back. Um. For the return, I don't know if you you heard about it, but uh, Lynch was in touch with him for quite a while, and he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. And then all of a sudden, now the blue, he was like, you know what? Thanks, but I'm really happy with retirement, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm out. I'm done. I can accept that. Disappointing, though, for sure. Because you did want to see what he looked like 25 years later. Is he still hot? <laughs> uh, I'll send you his Instagram. Yes, he is. He's is he? He's still... He is still shockingly good looking for okay, his age. Good. Good. Um, a little bit more gray and thinner, but he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's still hairy. Absolutely. Yeah. So he was one of those. Like, it was very, like you said, there were some that were incredibly easy to categorize. Mm-hmm. You had your sheriff's department, you had your FBI, except for Albert, because Albert was a, you could chaotic call, neutral. Yeah, you, right. You never knew what you were going to draw when you when you drew a card. Right. Um, yeah. And then you you have um, Agent Cooper. You have Gordon, um, who like I wish he was my uncle. That character is absolutely right. fantastic, adorable, looked out for you. Was you know creative, was nurturing, um, nurturing, I, caring, a, yeah. a genuine father figure. Actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you had those pure, purely good. But what's interesting about Coop is you also had this side of him that happened with Wyndham Earl, right? Where he fell in love with Wyndham Earl's wife. So and even get, Coop, our golden boy. You get to learn that he's imperfect. Yes. Yeah. Our golden boy is imperfect. Nearly, although he stopped himself, also with Audrey. More on that part later, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so again, no one is purely light or purely dark in this show. Yeah, and and that is, you know, uh, speaking of which, that's one of the themes that we're going to be tackling on in the series is the whole duality of it. Because every character who who is lucky enough to get enough time to develop an arc over, this is a continuous theme, is the duality of man. Like, struggling with your internal demons, trying to figure out who you are and what you want to accomplish and how to get there. And what you have to do to get there. And yeah, it's it's interesting as the series progresses, at least in the first two seasons, everybody goes through those motions. Except for Major Briggs. Oh, right. He is. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. He is just even keeled mm-hmm. the whole time. Why is that? Because he knows more than the rest mm-hmm, of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so obviously. does Gordon, though, right? And okay, no, and that's fair. The only time that uh, Gordon is not even keeled is with Shelley when he falls. Yeah, off. oh God, that's right. And and the rest of the time, he is very, he's very supportive and upbeat, but he's very much like Major Briggs, but um, a little bit happier. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> oh man, that's so what is going on here? You're witnessing a full three quarter view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Pay attention, Sonny. Ah. I love it. <laughs> oh, 
that just made my heart leap out of my chest. It was so adorable. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole show. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was. <laughs> I love Gordon, and every time his appearance popped up, it was just brilliant. I love know? that he put himself in his own show. <laughs> That's an interesting Which, thread to pull, too. Yeah, that is a thread that we'll get to later. Hyper sigils. I'm mm. just going to leave it at that. Mm. But... Um, before we get too far into this, because uh, at this point, you and I could keep going for another two hours mm-hmm. talking about this. So, we got the good, we got the bad. The bad being, and like I said, it's kind of debatable. Was was Leo really bad? Ooh. Can you tell me a good thing that he did? The way that he started to react towards Shelley's endangerment towards the end of his story arc. Mm. He was genuinely concerned for his her maid well-being. getting hurt. <laughs> That's the way I saw it. Fair enough. He was you know gonna what? lose his maid. We'll fucking run with that. Windham Earl, obviously one hundred percent. Yeah, fucking evil. In the pooper. In the pooper. Now Bob is evil. Yep. We already know that Bob is a personification of evil evil uh leland was not evil leland was possessed by bob and was incredibly heartbroken by the things that he had done under bob's spell who is actually evil in that show other than bob and Wyndham? in the first two series or the first two um seasons i nobody else is pure evil. i mean again leo was was everybody's was a close. train wreck yeah how about ben horn he was really good at playing the, you know, I, I'm I'm a you know, business owner and I'm so responsible. And I, Ben Horn was a dark, twisted mofo who owned a brothel. He really was, and was a pedophile. And the entirety of the second half of season two, we saw him take this turn. Yeah. We're, uh, we're eating the carrots and trying to be all goody two-shoes. Facade. None Facade. of us bought that, but that's the thing. <laughs> 25 years later, when the return comes around, turns out he actually stuck by that. Mm-hmm. Though he was tempted with uh, Ashley Judd, which we'll get oh into that gosh. one later. I love that that's who he cast, by the way. Who could not be tempted by I Ashley know. Judd? I, mean, I know. Come on. Also a little afraid that she might beat the shit out of me, but I also might be into that. So, uh, um, so there, there's only a handful of people in the series that you can really consider to be like truly evil. You got Bob, and you got a couple of characters who, to a certain extent, are are chaotic evil. Yeah, and bouncing back and forth on those lines. But then you have the Dougie. The good, the bad, and the Dougie. Yes, it's a terrible fucking joke, and all of you out there listening to this right now, fuck you, you laughed at it too. <laughs> you can't categorize a Dougie. Yes, you can. Okay. The the Dougie um are the the oddities, the anomalies, the things that don't actually exist. So that's what I mean is the good, the bad, and the Dougie is the good, the bad, and the things that do not really belong here. One of these things just doesn't belong. 
a lot of them, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's what gets really interesting to me is um, if you start looking into the characters and the roles and the backgrounds of these beings that exist in the Black Lodge or in the convenience store. God, I wish I would have recorded that so I could have. <laughs> I am making great hand motions, people. It's hilarious. You're bowing. Um, but when you look at the, the beings that inhabit the Black Lodge, it really seems like Bob is the only one with true intent to harm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the rest of them understand to a certain extent that it's a necessary cycle because they need to feed in a certain way. But Bob is pushing itself into excess of it. So you're saying that the characters that Bob inhabits, or your view is that the characters that he inhabits don't have control over their own actions, right? They cannot fight against him? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, Leland succumbed to Bob for decades. Yeah, as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so does, well, actually, pause Laura there. was the first one who fought against Bob. Yep, from a young age, too, because he's been coming to me since I was a little girl, I think she said. Twelve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Like this, We see this shiny, beautiful facade of a gorgeous northwestern town, and behind it is just rot. It's absolute rot. Um, right, and you, and you poke the hole in the wall where there was the black mold, and you rip that whole thing. I'm like, holy shit, that whole wall is full and of black mold. You start seeing things for what they are. Yes, yeah. that's what that's what Lynch did. Um, but for for those that were inhabited by Bob, they had the lucid moments, and then they had the moments where they were not themselves. So it is a full. Going back to what you normally do on XV Planets, it is a full, um, not takeover, but a it's a possession. Possession, a full yeah. possession. Using that human being as a puppet to do the work of Bob. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as the series progressed over the course of fucking 30 years, hmm. um, you know, we come to find out that that manipulation um, started a long, long time ago. So it's kind of interesting to try to, like, peel back all of that and try to figure out where things happened and what went wrong and why. And that is essentially what we're trying to tackle on the series is there's a whole lot of shit that you and I have been picking apart for months and um, months together and years respectively. <laughs> so uh, this, this show definitely deserves uh, multiple, multiple viewings and multiple dissections to try to figure out what's going on because there's something deeper than just the story. And certainly I'm speaking of that from like an esoteric and occult sense, but in between that, there is deeper symbolism and surrealism and imagery and iconography going on in this show that most people don't really give credence to or, or give enough time to explore. And I think that's what you and I are on the track of is, there's more. Mm -hmm. The owls are not what they seem. <laughs> the owls are not what they fucking seem. <laughs> owls are not what they seem. 
Like we're not with these. If if Margaret the Log Lady were here, like we're the kind of people that would want to hang out with her. Everybody else shunned the Margaret, and we're like, oh, no, tell me more. Tell me more about what your log is telling you. If Margaret was here, you and I would be talking to the log and telling Margaret to just shush. Just the interpreter. let the log speak. She was the interpreter. And that's the thing. When you first see a Margaret or you first see this really kind of quirky characters, you think, what the heck is this? And then Margaret, like a beautiful flower, like a rose, starts to unfold her petals. And we see, gosh, this is a critical character. Which we are going to probably end up doing like a half episode um, dedicated just to Margaret. She's a pivotal character. And doesn't really get brought up that much because her presence is so, like, peppered. Yeah, it's a seasoning. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. a seasoning. Yeah, yeah she's she not the peppers up. of the onions or the beef. Yeah, she's right. the yeah. pepper. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She is the seasoning. She is a mm-hmm. spice. And, and, you know, we're going to accent that flavor just a little bit. My log has something to tell you, is what that says. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I knew we'd be friends when I have that shirt that, that says just ask it and it's And my the fucking jaw hit the it. floor. I'm like, Yes <laughs> picture of the log with the just ask it. Very few people in my world understand what that shirt means and you were one of them. I I deeply get it and I want my own. And I uh, I think I need to make my own replica log and start talking to it. I think I might sleep with log. Halloween is coming up. We just need to get you like a really hideous <laughs> like Oh, Judy really, Brown. really, really bad bang cut eighties. <laughs> no, I mean, if Wyndham Earl could dress as the log lady, so could you. <laughs> you know what? That's a fucking valid point. <laughs> <laughs> he was a large. Did you just actor. challenge me to dress as a log lady? <laughs> kind of did. You've got three weeks to make a costume. I have a Halloween. I have a Halloween gig to play, and now I'm gonna have to do it in a skirt with a log. Shit. Lady costume. Yep, that's what's happening. Gauntlet has been thrown. Pick it up, sir. Pick it up. (laughs) He'll do it, and we'll take pictures. Don't drink that. (laughs) There's a fish in the the percolator. <laughs> I love him. I wish he was my dad. All, right, All so. these characters, you, just, you wish that you could interact with him in real life. So. At least I don't know. You do. I do. <laughs> hey, what Except I do, I'm- Catherine. I don't want to interact with Catherine in my real life. Nobody does. Fuck Catherine. Little <laughs> brother Andrew. That shit is fake British. I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to be like talking deeply about the characters that are fake. Oh, please don't stop. Go. This is a British accent. Just talks like this. Just gnashes her teeth together. Catherine Martel. Oh, yes. And maybe she was just Buffy. doing that to, to be pretentious, but she was trying to be very Catherine Hepburn and it wasn't working for me. Yeah. So there were a couple of characters that you thought, what the hell are you doing here? Well, see, that's where I always go. Like, hey, hey, that's a fucker. Bet you watch a little country, sir. Hey, hey. A little pikey. Ah, uh, that's a fucker. <laughs> hey, fight? kids, how big is he? How big are you? Hey. <laughs> it looks like a boxer. You need to box? You look like a boxer. Hey, hey, hey. Ah, uh, she's wow. terribly partial to the perfect blue. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're friends. I knew exactly what the hell you were doing, you pikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I am Irish, but don't call me Pikey. Them's fighting words. <laughs> no. <laughs> my ass whooped on this show. The last one I come back to. 
There's uh, more. This is going to end up turning into a long series of absurdity, and I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> masks and dudes and wigs and logs and. <laughs> wait till we get to the fucking Matrix, man. <laughs> Don't tease them. Oh, I already did. Yeah. Just now. You do it again. <laughs> Was that your? I am the arm. Which also lines up pretty well with. I just live with some Chianti. And it does. Some it does. Beans. Very similar vibe and vein. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So. We're going to obviously be doing deeper dives into a lot of the characters as we dive into this and we start exploring more themes. This whole episode is kind of an introductory, um, hello, how you doing, fellow Twin Peaks nutcases? Put on your red room robes, make yourself some coffee with some Baileys, and, and join fish. us for this absurdity. Um, but, you know, let's, you know, why are people so obsessed with this i know that you and i are and i know that one of like the overarching themes is the fact that it was an ongoing mystery like that that was kind of what propelled it it was you had all these moving parts and all these different people that were directly connected to the victim and so that started up this spider web of you know get the crowd involved what do you think what are your conspiracy it got people talking Mm mm-hmm which is something that didn't really happen all that much. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, what really mattered more than anything is that we finally got to see how fucking good David Duchovny looks in a dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Them gams. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, fucking great gams. Like, I, I, I saw him and then I'm like, I would, I, oh my God, that's Fox Mulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled it off. He pulled it off. He really did. But at least he you was... could tell he was having fun with it too. Like, oh, look yeah. at his face. He just that big shit-eating grin. Like, y'all didn't think I was going to put on a dress and heels and stockings and a wig and this whole thing. Putting lipstick on at his. Oh, desk. he fucking owned it. He owned. No, he didn't just own it. He fucking knocked it out of the yeah, park. Did, it was. It was amazing. And that actually was a huge moment for um, um, LGBTQT and um, uh, all those communities. Like for that time period. That was a huge moment. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it really well before it's time. That was that was not well received by the vast majority of people. Whenever that came on, whenever David Duchovny came on as a dress, like there was a whole lot of public outcry of "What the fuck is this show?" You know, and I guess the feedback from the executive response team was like, "Have you been? Have you?" Have you been watching us? Like, it's not that shocking. It's a little par for the course here. I mean, Ben Horn almost fucked his own daughter, and yet you're worried about this guy in heels. Okay, whatever. You know. That gets into the perversion of Hollywood, too. Which there is a... So what is condoned versus what is not condoned? David Duchovny being in a dress, putting on lipstick, is just so nascent compared to what the actual dark themes of that show were. Oh, yeah. Were super sick and twisted and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. No, 100%. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Especially but it's crazy you- there was an outcry on that and not the... Wait a minute. Yeah, when the, when Leland Palmer is revealed to be yeah. the culprit and what that actually means, mm-hmm. 
even though they didn't bother flat out stating it because it was a whole lot of hearsay. We knew what was happening to her, what was going on. We just got to see Leland Palmer lose his mind when he realized what he did. That was truly fucking disturbing. Mm -hmm. It was really dark. It was really fucked up. And it was actually tapping into things that were, I I guess, a little taboo to touch on as far as primetime television. Yeah. Would be. Very much so. Yeah. Right, For the it, time, at least. 89? Uh, 91, 92. Yeah, that wasn't, I mean, outside of Barbara Walters making people expose themselves and their dirty, dark secrets on right. TV. Yeah, that that was really, yeah. Well ahead of its time for shock. And again, I think that's why Lynch is so good at giving you the sugary, you know, here's the world's best pie. Here's a fabulous cup of coffee. Here's Gordon being adorable with Shelly. And then, oh, by the way, um, the next scene is you being jolted into this. Wait a minute. Are they talking about? Yes. The dad. Right. And what? What? So he was brilliant that he would, you almost got whiplash. Kind of makes you think that that might be the only way that he could have yeah. relayed that information is by pockets of, of yeah. details, mm-hmm. especially during that time. For sure. For sure. Because if you had to swallow that pill whole, that that is, I'm watching a story about that. Oh, God. Versus- America at the time, fresh out of the satanic nope. panic movement, yeah. they would have choked on that fucking Hell pill. No. Yeah. They, they would have fucking, they would have. Self-destructive. As we say in the South, that dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that dog won't hunt, Monsignor. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not going to do it. <laughs> um, but let's be real here. It, and the fact of the matter is, is the reason that Twin Peaks was so successful was because of David Duchovny's legs. Oh, my God. You're so convinced of this. I am. I really am. I think that... That's what made it. Like, it was such taboo that he broke, and he looked fucking good doing it. Mm. Stop looking at me like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot support this theory. I cannot. All right. So, uh, what is interesting uh, about all of the things that we've been talking about for, like, for the last few minutes, though, is the cultural impact that that show has had on television moving forward. And I, I want to illustrate this by saying that, like, without Twin Peaks, there's no fucking way that X-Files would have ever happened. Yep, you're right. There's no way that Lost ever would have happened. Oh, Lost. Right? That's another deep dive. Um, there, there's multiple groundbreaking, groundbreaking shows that broke the mold and pushed the limits because Twin Peaks was so brave so very early on to really push some fucking boundaries mm-hmm. for their time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lynch and Frost did it. Like they, they broke the mold on a lot of things and it shook the entire world and it shook the concept of television filmmaking. It completely redefined it. You can actually do a thoughtful, progressive, intense story rather than just we have 20 episodes to fill. Yeah. What matters and what's going to be filling the blank shit, mm-hmm. right? Well, and they didn't make it like they were waiting to be canceled. You know, I think David would have, David, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got me thinking about Duchovny's legs. Um, David Lynch would have continued on in some way, shape, or form. Denise. 
Denise. Stop. I know it is Denise. (laughs) (laughs) So distracted by the legs. But uh, he was going to plow through. Y'all, he is showing his white ass little legs (laughs) right now like he is David Duchovny. No. No, if I did that, I would fucking blind you. I am so (laughs) fucking white. No, no, I didn't. I'm Irish. Don't even give You're me that blue. shit. You're yeah. blue. I take off my pants. Nothing happens other than everybody goes blind and I go home alone. You're blue. <sighs> but I think he, like, you, you saw this. You could tell he had the entire thing in his mind. There was no rushing. Right? You, you watch some series and you feel like, hey, I think they just got told they were going to get canceled. So they rushed through this. Like, you could tell Sense8 is one of those. Like, we talked about that the other night, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are some things that were just brilliant for little pockets and then either faded off or were a rocket ship and then got cut off for some reason. And this, the first um, the first two seasons, you felt even the first one was short, you felt like you were getting this amazing buildup and it was it progressed every episode. There were no throwaways. I'll put it that way. I actually. You can disagree, but I didn't feel like I, there I were any I disagree with you on that only on the second season. Which episode would, have you, would you have thrown away? There's not many, and I can't remember which ones, but there's three or four of them in the second season that you could have completely removed out and would have had no effect on the broader strokes of the now, story. Unless you're talking about the James episode... <laughs> Where he goes off on his Okay, so maybe not episodes. Let's talk about story arcs. Fuck James and his whole heartbroken, I'm going to shack up with a murderous housewife. What What? the fuck, man? I mean, and like, honestly, I think that might have been what killed the series. (laughs) I don't know. That is one of the questions that I would ask Lynch. Like, because he has that absolute garbage mixed in with these amazing wonderful you know pushing the story forward right, yeah, scenes yeah. why did you throw in that who made you do that you know who what i would ask that? lynch hmm. how's annie <laughs> how's annie how's annie how's annie, how's annie? <laughs> oh that's so wrong no but you know, you're you're right though is um but the vast majority of the show like it's long-winded, yes, absolutely, but the vast majority of it is actually heading in one specific direction. Yeah, and you it's, felt like... Yeah, it was all tied into it. Good progress. We're going at a good pace here. Oh, we're going to run a little bit. Oh, my gosh, this big thing happens, and then we're you're going to eventually you know, pick it up. And it was a good pace, I'll say. Again, you didn't feel rushed. You didn't feel like he's dragging something on outside of that stupid James storyline. Again, that was an anomaly. Um, but I felt comfortable with the pace. So, so I was a little frustrated with the whole Nadine and Mike, Skyle, like uh, like high school romance routine going on. You didn't enjoy that. No, no, no. I got a kick out of it, but it started to take up too much time. That I, I think that was my only complaint about it. But the James thing was just why. There are a thousand better things that you could have done with that character, and and uh, he would have looked just as upset uh, as he did in every previous episode. Which James are you today? Mm-hmm. 
I'm the song. Oh, that song. That song. Just you. No, no. Just you and I. Oh, yeah. You're welcome, listeners. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so, it's, we won't even tell you what episode it is. It's just really fast forward. Fucking bad. When I think on the I might do a death metal version of that just to close out this. <laughs> just you and I together for all time. And I'll sit in the corner and cry longingly. Oh, God, this is a great heavy metal video. Yeah. Oh, we can do it in the shop out there mm-hmm. or out in the woods. Yeah, this is good. This okay. is great. This okay. is awesome. <laughs> We're going to terrify everybody who's listening to this. I should never give <laughs> you that idea. <clears throat> so the Evelyn storyline, we could have cut her. I mean, that would have been an hour of my life I'd gotten back over those couple of episodes that yep. we had to watch that garbage. Yep. But it does pull at a theme that I think he's trying to get to, and I know we, we eventually wanted to get to the themes and the archetypes of the of the characters. Yes. The women in Lynch's world, and Evelyn was one of those. Yeah. That you're, wait a minute, you're incredibly manipulative. So she's sort of a, a force of power over men, where you have someone like Shelley, who is continuously dominated by men. Yeah. So I think they're an interesting juxtaposition, but maybe that's what he was trying to show us with Evelyn. I I just that's definitely something I want to do a deeper dive yeah. into because like you and I just started talking about that in particular a couple of nights ago about how um, Lynch's perception of um, gender stereotypes and and sexuality tend to um be pushed to extremes in most of his works. Yeah, you know, like he loves to play the damsel in distress thing at. To eleven, but he also loves to do the femme fatale thing up to eleven. He loves to do the broken-hearted good boy stereotype up to eleven, and then he likes to play the sinister archetype on the polar opposite of it up to eleven. Um, for all of Lynch's strengths, subtlety ain't one of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Right hook to the jaw with this. He's like, oh, you're going to get this information. You're yep. going to get it good. You'll never forget it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Things get imprinted. There have been so many series and movies that I've watched over the years where things don't settle in for the long term, right? You watch this thing. You breeze your way through it. You got the little data points that you needed to get from it. And very few settle in for for you for life where you can quote and you can like, you keep going back there in your mind. This is definitely one of those series where I refer to it again and again and again. And it's not just because I've watched it a million times. Um, but it's because again, at that, that young age, it sort of seeped its way into my consciousness. You'd never seen anything like it before. And I, I mean, I don't know about you still haven't seen anything like it since a lot of uh, actually that's something else we should look at is is the um the copycats. Has anybody ever tried to copycat this in in your opinion from what you've seen? Oh God, yeah, oh yeah, plenty of times um in in various filters and trying to change it into something else uh Eureka you ever oh. seen? I watched like a half an episode. It didn't grab me. It was like Twin Peaks light with comedy. Um, mm. A little bit more of a sci-fi edge as the show progressed and it definitely turned into something else. But you could definitely see the influence on that. One of my personal favorite shows of the last 20 years was 
heavily influenced by Twin Peaks, Carnival. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's on my list. That is one of the most amazing shows that I've ever seen in my life. It is still one of my favorites. It is... I hope they get the Twin Peaks treatment, and I hope we get a fucking follow-up like 10 fucking years from now because it deserves it. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. It, um, It was all the things that I loved about Twin Peaks tied in with really obscure theological mm. concepts and then tied into the great depression and thereby also tied into the dropping of the first atomic bomb, which some consider to be the moment that the age of magic ended and the age of reason began. Mm. So there's whole, a whole lot of philosophy okay. and the crossover, like the atomic bomb yeah, references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, there's so much shit going <clears> on. <throat> oh, and that was the, well, we'll get to that. But yeah, the a pivotal moment in the world of Twin Peaks too. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you better believe we're going to get to that because I can guarantee you um, throughout the course of this series, which kids strap yourselves in because I'm not putting a number on this. We're just going to go until we're fucking done with it. Um, what I will say is some bonus content that I would like to uh, create out of this is an actual commentary on Firewalk with me of you, me, and hopefully a couple of guests and also episode eight of season three. <gasps> Yeah, I really want to do a commentary with that, but I also want to bring in some astrophysicists and thermodynamics people to talk about this shit. Let's get really weird with it, right? You know, bring in the CERN people, right? Yeah, yeah. what happens when you rip a hole in the universe? Yeah, let's bring in the (laughs) scientists. So while we talk batshit crazy things, they can tell us, no, you're out of your fucking mind. What could go wrong? Plenty. (laughs) Clearly. But we're not going to find out unless we do it. All right. Let's see what happens. Pull my finger. <laughs> By the way, that's this chair. Yeah. This chair is awful. It's so squeaky. Wait, 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 wait. Ah, oh, God, thank you. All right. So- <laughs> <laughs> this chair is fired. Yes, yeah, so you can expect dick and fart jokes on here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is. This is not for your children to hear. I think if you, you said ha- F within the first like three minutes. So yeah, we're what done. What are you talking about? <laughs> I said I said F the letter F. Oh, you meant I said fuck. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I can I can beat those out. Do you do you do you need me to do a mom no. take? No, don't do a mom no. take. All right. Okay, so uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, this introduction to us, what we're going to be doing and diving into this. Let's, uh, let's take a look at some of the different themes that we want to tackle into as we progress on. And we're not really a hundred percent sure how the format of this is going to shape. It's going to shape over the course of the next few episodes. Um, there are certain themes that alone definitely deserve one to two episodes each as we dive further into Mm -hmm. them. And we'll figure that out when we get there. But some of the main ones that we want to look at are, as I brought up to you, the duality, uh, duality of yeah. man. Um, and in the notes here, I have the uh, the darker underbelly of American towns. It looks so clean on the outside. Johnny, happy people. Lying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Michael Stipe. Turn that bus over to the side of the pretentiousness turnpike. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, just <turn> <laughs> liars 
Sorry, continue. <laughs> Nobody's shiny and happy. <laughs> no. Who wants to be shiny? Who wants to be shiny? Not me. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> me and my party chair are just going to sit here and squeak. I don't know, man. I think I could look pretty good in like disco ball jumps. N- n- never mind. Never mind. Mm. Thinking of something else. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong story, wrong story, wrong story. But um, the duality of humanity, its representations on the show, and uh, character development to more esoteric concepts like doppelgangers and tulpas. Yes. Which gets really interesting because, I mean, certainly that adds the sci-fi and the spiritual aspect on top of it. But at the root of it, one of the, the constant themes that you get in Twin Peaks is the individual character's deep internal struggles. Like, mm-hmm. everybody is going through something. Yeah. And uh, most of them, you see them at their worst and best points, which I find to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Except for Doc Hayward. He's just, like, solid the whole time, except for that one minute oh, with, with Ben Horn. Horn. Yeah. Yep, yep, deservedly so. So, um, you know, the internal duality of the characters and how it seems that nobody is 100% good, 100% evil, with the exception of a couple of spirits from the Black Lodge who obviously have very specific directions that they lean towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Hank. Piece of shit. <laughs> He's pretty clearly a piece of duty. Pretty clearly. There's Norma, nothing. Norma's a catch. You take care of a Norma. Oh, like, God, right. Right? I'm so sad that we lost her. Mm. I'm so glad that she got to finish the mm-hmm. the return. Mm. But we lost so many of them as soon as that came out. We lost. We lost Albert. Yeah. Miguel Fier. Yeah. But who? Who? You said so many. Who? What others? Um, I think the guy who played Ed. Uh, just so Ed just just recently passed. Ed and Norma passed fairly close together. Oh, a few years, but yeah, I think Aww. so. Um, Damn! Now you're bringing me re- down. We don't. We can't end our first episode with you bringing people down. Okay, all right, not no, allowed. No, we'll, no, we'll get no, to no. that. All right. So, uh, other topics we're going to be tackling is uh, <laughs> spirituality. And how the show pulls from many different belief structures and faiths, like Native American occult beliefs, a whole lot of references to multitudes of different forms of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Episcopalian and Catholicism in particular. And there's some specific scenes that I have. uh, Tibetan Buddhism. (laughs) Oh, oh yes. No, no, absolutely. That, that, that is a huge part of this because, you know, David Lynch is a very, very, huge supporter and practicer of transcendental mm-hmm. meditation. And ever since he took this path, it has actually significantly altered his art and his film and his production work for years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, it's made him better. Other people think he's just gone fucking crazy. And I say, what's the difference? Um, symbolism, of course, because much of Twin Peaks and its most striking imagery is often telling a part of the story or giving clues subtly in the background, often masked in surreal visuals. Mm. And uh, my personal favorite part of this, what I really want to do this all about, what it's all for me is about, was Lynch performing rituals and making hyper sigils? Because I think this motherfucker was actually making magic. 
through this television show. Mm. You going to give the class some homework related to this magic you speak of? Uh, I am. I think I am. I absolutely am. But but we're going to we're going to hold off on that because we got several other parts of this that we want to roll through before we start doing the deep dive into that. Okay. And the reason that I say that is I'm also doing a whole lot of research on fourth dimensional hyper sigils and how people have used them in multiple different kinds of media. Wow. Which yes, your resident occultist nutcase mm-hmm. over here. Um heads exploding. Just prepare. Prepare <laughs> class, prepare. But yes, we're I am definitely gonna be fucking diving into that shit. Now, uh those are some of the, the major themes that we're gonna be exploring. And then um really at the heart of this, Beth, what mysteries in particular do you hope to solve? Hmm. I'm going to have to put my thinking cap on for that one. <laughs> That's a TBC. <clears throat> what mysteries do I want to be solved? Why did Josie just die? Like, boom, boom. Don't answer. Don't answer. That is one of my mysteries that I'd like to see. But did she die? So, I mean, she's in the nightstand. But she's she's not in this world anymore. Or she's not in the Twin Peaks world anymore. So why all of a sudden, boom... Uh, what well, happened when the Great Northern refurbished all of their? Oh, did she end up at a Goodwill? <laughs> sorry, I. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No. At a Goodwill. Ugh. Why did we have to put up with Evelyn? That's a mystery. That's that's not been solved for me. Um, that's a good point. Why did Laura have any relationship with a James? Right, if she has Bobby. She has Jacques, as repulsive as that is, right? She has all of these men. Why James? Other than she wanted to try out the saccharine sweet part of life. I don't know. So I'd like to understand what the attraction to James was other than he had a motorcycle. Uh, it's, it's because James actually was a good guy. Unlike all of the other men in her life, James was the one truly honestly good male in her life but she why would she have been attracted to that when everybody else that she was attracted to and spending her time with outside of donna was anyway that's that's a we'll revisit we'll revisit yes that's a that's a mystery for me but my short I, i'm sorry i gotta Your respond snippets. um she was programmed to be fucking self-destructive mm. but she knew that James could possibly be like an out, like a a way to break the cycle, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But yes, we should revisit that one. Go ahead, please. Uh, I have to think about my other, my other, so we're just focusing on season one and two. Yeah. um, Yeah. The return, we're going to tackle that a little bit later after we've broken down the first two seasons, because season three is a whole different fucking animal, which you were definitely well aware of. Um, so the fireman helping Coop like to dive into that one a little bit more. Like he gives Coop all of his hints as he's, it gives, he gives him breadcrumbs. He gives them to them, gives them to Cooper in dreams. He gives them to Cooper when they're at the, the ceremony, right? When they're at the, um, uh, um, what's the bar? Bang, 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 bang. When they're there, the the giant, the fireman comes to him. I always call him the giant. Um, 
So what was the fireman's role in Cooper's life? Is it a Black Lodge entity that is trying to help him navigate the Black Lodge? So I personally believe that the Black Lodge, the White Lodge, this other space that we've seen in in between all of it, it's all the same place. Mm-hmm. And my reasoning for thinking that is if you think about the last two episodes of season two, when Coop actually enters the the red room, mm-hmm. he is cycling through the same fucking room over and yep. over and over again. And one time he'll meet the man from another place, the, you know, mm-hmm. Michael Anderson, short dancing fellow. And he's normal. And then he'll go into another one, and it has white eyes and stares at Coop and says, doppelganger. Yep. I believe they're all existing simultaneously. So Black, Wa- Black Lodge, White Lodge, and Red Room. Maybe the Red Room is a space in between those, but everything is passing through mm-hmm. those multiple layers. And I think that's what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lynch was tapping into the concept of, um, in paranormal research, I think at this point, a a lot of us are starting to look into the concept of um, portals, vortexes, like places where multitudes of oddities can happen simultaneously and in multiple different ways and different forms. And I think he was kind of tapping into that. Mm. Yeah. Early on. Mm Mm-hmm. Just... 27, 28 years ago, looking into that. Mm-hmm. Way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those are some of the threads that I want to pull on. And the owls, not being what they seem. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> That's true. But that is a good point, because you got to remember, the owls are not what they seem. All right. Well, that being said, um, for me, I think the biggest mystery that I want to unravel are the multitudes of the same characters. Like, why are there so many doppelgangers, different versions, things like that? And then I also want to break down the mystery of the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something we'll have to get into a little bit later because any of you who have watched The Return and caught the final seven minutes of that last episode, there's a whole lot going on there that you might not have picked up on. And I'm looking forward to diving into that, but we're not going to do that just yet. All right. Gotta wait for it. Well, I think at this point, uh, we have totally fucking geeked out on this uh, for uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. Twin geeks. <laughs> Twin geeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, it's only going to get weirder. Um, I can promise you that. Um, but, Beth, thank you so much for, for diving in headfirst with me into this. It's been one of my favorite shows forever. And, honestly, doing an ongoing breakdown has kind of been a passion project in the back of my head for a while on this. So, thanks for thanks for doing the dive with me. Um, 
I will say that uh, there's a lot of things going on in the XV Planets Network right now, and so there's going to be a lot of new content coming out. Some of this is going to fall into a bi-weekly schedule, tri-weekly schedule, monthly schedule, and then on, you know, on occasion the weekly schedule. Uh, once I have everything pinned down, I will definitely let you guys know, and I will uh, get the word out. Beth, do you have any uh, closing comments or thoughts for our nutcases of listeners out there? Uh, I would advise all of you to go back and binge watch it. Because unless you've done that in the last couple of weeks, we have, John have John and I have, obviously, because we've been preparing for this. But it's so, you. I, this last time that I watched it, I actually took notes because I'd like I shared with you mm-hmm. all, I'm a little bit of a researcher, have been since I was a little nugget. So I would encourage you all, if you want to take the journey with us to, even if you have watched it in the last couple of years, go back and, and rewatch it in these next couple of weeks. So you're on point with us and do people, because I've already had a friend ask, is there a way to communicate and ask questions and comments? So, uh, so I, it's absolutely wonderful that you bring that up because I, I think that, uh, the day that I drop this episode out there, I'm going to open up a group discussion on the XV Planets page, okay. uh, on Facebook to, um, open up communication. Yes, I want all of you Twin Peaks geeks come and join the Twin Geeks. Like we're let's let's tear this fucking thing apart and unravel the entire mystery. Even if Lynch doesn't want us to figure it out, uh, <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. Don't ever say that to me. I've worked in too many kitchens that 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 just makes my flesh crawl. Um, <laughs> but, Our kind of teamwork's the right kind. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, we will definitely set up uh, open discussion forums, things like that. Uh, I'll find a couple of other places to do that as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Beth, thank you so much for diving into this with me. Thank you for and having it's, me. As I said, I can promise you one thing and one thing only. It's going to get weirder. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Just you. <laughs> I... 27 times oh god that's no the lyric, y'all that's oh. it that's all we got oh uh, 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 that. we were so happy and now you crushed it what do you want to do my best julie cruz impression <laughs> uh i love lynch and i actually love his taste in music i do not love his taste in vocalists though <laughs> That is a damn good Audrey dance. It really is. It's much slower. <laughs> yeah. With that, we're out. Doing the Audrey. <laughs> Doing the Audrey. Well, I know that they can't see this, but I'm going to end it with this. <laughs> and there we have it, my friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. Uh, Thanks for joining us for part one of probably a year-long series as we uh, try to peel back the layers of insanity from Twin Peaks. I want to thank Beth again uh, so much for coming to join me on this deep dive and uh, for really doing some great research on this. As this series progresses, we are really going to get weird with it because, let's face it, that show is weird. Now, before I go, i got a couple announcements to make. Uh, We are still doing the live stream from the Sally House on December 19th, so be sure to... Follow me on Fireside, although by that time I will also have a Twitch and a YouTube set up for XV Planets, and it will be simulcast there as well. Um, Waverly Hills, we're doing that in um, March of 2022. 
I would like to officially say that as of uh, yesterday, the third party in my main core of uh, paranormal investigators has finally moved to the area, so join me on Fireside for Terror at Trophy as we actually have our very first meet and greet as the trifecta of strange has finally come together. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We're pretty much on all social spaces at XVPlanus. And uh, do us a favor and go over to iTunes, rate and review us. And that's it, friends. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you guys in a week with a couple of new surprises.